Ladies and gentlemen, I just might have realised something about myself in the past couple of days. I might be into dub. Dub might be my favourite type of reggae right now, too. It's crazy. In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Film Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you've all had a good week. I've recently bought tickets to see Protege. Uh, I think her name's Savannah. I forget, I forget, I forget homegirl's name and the uh, Lila Ek. Ik. Ik. It's Ik, not Ek. Uh, nearly, nearly, nearly messed it up right there, boy. Um, yeah, Savannah. Savannah. So she's good. But yeah, no, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. It's been not too bad actually. Um, I've been. After last week, I, you know, I said that, like, you know, I was, um, there were some changes I felt like I needed to make, and uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've been trying to implement said changes, and, you know, so far, from how it's looking, it's looking pretty good, um, so I cannot complain on that front, and it's, uh, yeah, I might have, uh, might be starting something new, um, apart from, you know, the podcasts and Fifth Element stuff, I might be trying something a bit different, and, uh, you know, on the flip side, try and help people as well, um, from a professional standpoint, so that's, that's all I'm giving, <laughs> not that you guys care, but that's what I'm doing, I'm just trying to do something new, uh, trying to help people out, and also just, um, yeah, just trying, just trying to grow, just trying to grow in that front, but other than that, it's been a pretty good week, like I said, I bought tickets to see Protégé, um, Lila IK, and Savannah, she's uh, they they they're, they're such good artists. Honestly, like I've been I've been blasting their tunes uh, for the past for the past few, couple of days, and uh, you know I've been uh, I'm I'm really into dub now. <laughs> I'm really into dub. Uh, I think my dad my dad actually um, it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those forms of music that I've heard before, obviously, because my dad's uh, he's uh, he's been in, he's been on a dub phase for the past few months and. Uh, you know, I rate it. It's very slow. It's very airy. Obviously, very echoey. That's the point of dub. If you guys listen to it, and um, yeah, it's just a very when you put it into a regular music track instead of just like a mix, like a dub mix, it's it's very interesting. And uh, you know, it's a it's it's, it's it's very it's 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 chill as hell. It's just so chill, so chill, so wavy. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. It's unfortunately on a Sunday. Um, um, I try I try to avoid Sunday shows cause just just because of you know, potential travel fuck-ups, but, um, hey-ho, I've copped it, and that's just how the cookie crumbles, and I'm just gonna have to live with that, I'm also gonna try and see Talib Kweli, and then, uh, I think it's in June or July, I forget, um, I think it's June, at the Jazz Cafe, I might get into that, I haven't copped yet, but I'm gonna cop in a couple of the de- next couple of days, hopefully, so it's gonna be fun, uh, but yeah, we'll get to that, we'll get to those when we get to those, you know, that's for the summer, that's for the summer months, you know, I'm trying to prep, you know what I mean, I'm trying to prep for that good, good summer, I hope you guys are all doing that as well from festivals and all that kind of stuff. But we actually might be talking about that in the, in some in some form or fashion uh, in one particular topic. Will I jump into it first? Maybe I might do. I might do. Let's see. We'll see how it goes. We have a full doggy for here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think I think I have two life, uh, one uh, one film and TV, and one music. 
yeah, music, one music as well. Uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much what we're going to get into. Before we get into that, obviously, we have the formalities. Before we begin, as always, we have the email, Twitter, IG, Facebook, and all of that. And we also have a little link I wanted to try out recently. I've been given a, I've been given a little, little. I was sent a little email recently, um, and uh, I thought I'd implement it to my podcasting stuff. And uh, I've done it for only what's good so far, because um, that's just how you know, the free, the free thing is about, uh, it's called Rate This Podcast, and, uh, the link's going to be below in the description, so, just to hook me up, people, hook me up, hook me up with some, I, I'm just trying to test it out, that's all I'm trying to do, I'm just trying to test it out, see if it, see if it's, um, you know, see if it gets the job done, so, um, you know, if you, if you guys can get into that for me, uh, hit up that link down below, so, ratethispodcast.com forward slash what's good 5 e the number five epn that's all it is nice and simple and see how it goes for you guys um just let me know how that goes if you do so but anyway with all that out of the way let the beat drop and let's get into the show in a week where a pack a three pack of supreme oreos go on the resale market for over 50k and that was that was a few days ago i don't know what the price of them now are <laughs> i bet they're mad stupid I, I, guys i don't get if you're a hype beast don't talk to me honestly because that's just an unnecessary way of life i'm sorry that's the most it's just, it's just the dumbest lifestyle of all time honestly I, I just don't get it i really don't if my child was on that thing i'd be slapping the taste out of their mouth you're what you want how much for what smack yeah man that's that's gonna happen that's a fact trust me on that and uh yeah free pack of supreme oreos ladies and gentlemen red oreos red, it's just oreos it's just oreos all right i don't care what's on it it's fucking oreos you're not sending me Oreos for 50, 50, 50k. You must be mad. Get, get off me. Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder in it via TKO in round 7. Will there be an Andy Joshua fight? Will there be a, a Wilder Fury 3? Who knows for this moment. Um, but from what I saw in particular of, of the fight itself, obviously Deontay Wilder was going like, um, you know, complaining about the, um, the stuff he wore. Even if that's true or not, you put it on. So... You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's a you problem, bro. It's like, um, it's like how Bradley Bill's uh, been recently dropping fifty pieces and losing games in the in the for for the Washington Wizards. And I'm like, well, bro, you put you 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 signed the check. You you wanted the money, and you know I'm not I'm not complaining about you getting the money. You deserve the bag for sure. You get fifty pieces, you know, on the regular. I get it. But you knew what that team was about. You knew that team was garbage. So you went to that, so you just re-signed with that team for the most money. I understand why you did it, but you got to take these L's. you got to handle these L's, honestly, because, you know, it's just how it is. It's the same with Carmelo, um, like in 2011 or when he signed for the Knicks. I was like, you could have signed for the Bulls and had a better chance at the championship. Could have been with uh, Derek Rose and uh, Joe Kim Noah, but no, you went to New York, you took the bag, and you didn't get anywhere. So that's just how life goes for some people. You can't have the bag and get the dub sometimes. Just how it goes sometimes, you know? It's just, you got you got to set your priorities straight on that front. Anyway, continuing on. Catherine Johnson, NASA, NASA mathematician and subject of Hidden Figures, dies 101. I saw an interesting tweet recently about that, um, where, like, it was, uh, I think, uh, I assume an African-American woman going, like, 
you know, you guys robbed, uh, you know, several generations of potentially learning about this person and being inspired by this person. And, uh, you know, it really hit me, that kind of thing. And uh, actually links to uh, the film topic today, so I won't get into it too deep. Harvey Weinstein is found guilty on two of the five counts of charges in his trial, third degree rape and criminal sexual assault in the first degree. Former Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak, who was ousted during the Arab Spring, dies age 81, uh, 91. I actually found, I actually saw a video recently about, um, it's like a, you know, a recap of the decade kind of thing, you know, obviously that was going about uh, in the past few months still, um, for the people that, those, you know, I like to tie in mind before the New Year's, but there you go, it's just how it grumbles for some people. Um, but it was entertaining nevertheless and actually very fascinating because, uh, you know, if you, if you really think about it, the Arab Spring happened in 2011. Think about all the ripples that particular moment did. Like, you can generally make a case that the Arab Spring was probably, like, the most important event of this century so far, next to maybe 9-11. Um, this a, you could definitely put it in the top five, honestly, in terms of just, like, how many how much ripples it created from the shockwaves, I guess, whatever you want, whatever metaphor you want to give it it's 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 up there it's definitely up there um anyway an independent inquiry concludes that police and politicians turned a blind eye to sexual abuse claims and that's in the uk here so i just i was gonna do, talk about it but i was just like for one reason i want to want to get it um a little bit deeper into it um in the news cycle hopefully it does by next week maybe it won't um but yeah it's just it's just crazy and um the Tokyo Olympics could potentially be moved or postponed altogether. And you know what? Since I'm saying that, let's just jump right into the li- one of the life topics because this is exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's one of the events that is going to be potentially just chopped off the map this year and just not happening or, as, as I said, postponed, you know? Coronavirus or COVID-19 is what I'm going to call it because that's the official name for it. And, you know, you you guys will know what I mean when I say COVID-19, hopefully, because I just said what it is. Um, And it's starting to get to the point, you know, as a as a as a as a virus or however you want to call it whatever you want to call it. I don't know the specific name for it. It says virus in the name, so I just call it a virus. You know, if, if for something like that, obviously, it's not on the, you know, plague kind of magnitude right now, but it's starting to affect um, not just, obviously, people's lives, which obviously that's a fact, you know, in terms of quarantining people, there's people in, uh, there's people in cruise ships that the UK news have been covering extensively for some reason. I don't think it deserves that much, atten- that much attention, but, you know, some attention, I guess. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are obviously getting... Um, affected by this regardless if they have it or not um not to be not to you know say woe is me but i have earphones that i'm trying to get <laughs> i've been waiting i've been waiting like four months for these earphones boy and i got an email going like because the place they because uh, the place where they where it's assembled that's an australian company but it's assembled in china obviously and as you can guess it ain't happening <laughs> so you know it's just it's just how it is and obviously i'm not i'm not gonna cry over it so i can understand i'd rather I'd rather people be uh, safe and you know not ill, um, in order to, before they before they do work. And I completely understand, but it's just it's it's, it's a little peak. It's a little peak for me, but you know I'll li- I'll live, guys. It's okay. <laughs> Don't have to cry for me. It's okay. I'm I'll be fine. 
but yeah, this is what we're going to get into. Um, this is a uh, article by several people. Um, let me just say the names: Lucy Campbell, Sachin Nakrani, Andrew Pulver, Ben Beaumont Thomas, and Oliver Wainwright. Uh, this is just a very extensive piece in terms of just how uh, well it's called the Six Nations to Stormzy, which events could be cancelled by coronavirus. And this is basically what it is now. It's like it's so prevalent now the events and you know things going on in the world are being either completely stopped or pushed back or moved to another place. You know that's that's how it's this house become now. Um, it's becoming that level of a threat. Where it's just starting to, you know, affect people in terms of you can't go to events where there's just gonna be a lot of people because why would you do that? <laughs> why would you go to Italy right now? You know, I mean, it's just this this happening. Um, Hong Kong tourism numbers. Um, you know, obviously this was partly because of the Hong Kong uh, protests, but also because of the coronavirus, I guess. In in one case, adding that to the mix, Hong Kong tourism has gone down ninety nine percent. Like that's that's literally it's just it's non existent right now. Tourism probably in China is probably you know, it's probably non-existent right now. It's like um I've I've been seeing adverts for you know Plague Inc. If you guys have played that game on your phone, it's hella fun. But literally that's kind of how it is at the moment where like you know flights are being stopped and stuff like that. But anyway, let's just get into this article. Well, let's get into this article and just name off some of the uh, events that can be that have been uh, you know potentially uh, uh what's the word um called off I guess or moved or whatever. So the aforementioned Olympic Games, um, uh, IOC member Dick Pound, uh, another <laughs> every four years that name comes around. It's just it's glorious. It's just glorious. Has uh, told the Associated Press that preparations for Tokyo 2020 are business as usual, and any decision on whether or not the go, uh, the games would go ahead uh, does not need to be taken until May. But he raised the prospect of a cancellation if the circumstances demanded it nearer the time. Quote in and around that time, late May, folks are going to have to ask: Is this sufficient? Is this under sufficient control that we can't uh, that we can be confident about going to Tokyo or not? He said a lot of things have the have to start happening. You got to start ramping up your security, your food, the Olympic Village hotels. If the IOC decides the games cannot go forward as scheduled in Tokyo, rather than another country taking over, you're probably looking at a cancellation. He said, and that's major. That's major thinking about it, you know, um, just, uh, and it says here, training for 80,000 Olympic volunteers, which was due to begin on 22nd of February, has been delayed for at least two months. So that's, that's just, that's crazy to think about. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not an Olympic historian, but I don't remember a time where, um, obviously, you know, wartime, stuff like that, obviously that's when, you know, the Olympic Games didn't, didn't happen. But I mean, like, for this kind of thing, you know, for stuff like viruses or, you know, anything like that, you know. Obviously in Rio there was a bit of a problem in terms of just, I guess, uh, policing and uh, violence in the country and in the area, specifically in Rio. Excuse me. Um, there was obviously that concern. Um, but obviously Rio went forward and, you know, obviously there was that green pool which made which made uh, the diving I don't I don't care what people say that made the diving look so much more fucking cool it looked so much cooler than the blue pool I don't know why it just looked cooler to me it just looked different it looked fresh and because you know the rear colors are green so well that would be that would have been quite cool um, if it was just a part of that but anyway yeah you know it's 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 very interesting I've never heard I've never heard a Olympic Games be affected by a virus it's kind of crazy to think about and you know we have to obviously to wait until May. And most of these will probably have to wait, um, well, except for the next things I'm going to talk about, because it's actually very 
uh, timely, uh, the Six Nations. Obviously, uh, Ireland's game against uh, Italy in Dublin on the 7th of March has now been postponed following an intervention from the country's health minister. Simon Harris believed he uh, said he believed the fixture should be postponed following the spread of coronavirus to countries outside China, including Italy. Quote, the clear view of the public health emergency team was that this game would constitute a significant risk because a very large number of people will be travelling from what is now an affected region, he said. The IRFU said it was perfectly happy to comply with this instruction and said that it now had a lot of work to do to rearrange the fixture. Now attention will turn to whether Italian fans with tickets to Dublin will still travel or cancel their visits. England to Italy also. Um, The Football Association has begun the process of discussing how it reacts to the coronavirus and specifically if England friendly with Italy at Wembley on the 27th of March can go ahead given the spread of the virus there which has already led to four Serie A fixtures being postponed and the international uh, Inter Milan's ho- home Europa League tie with uh, Ludogorets 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 I don't know if I'm saying that right on Thursday becoming a behind the doors <laughs> fixture shit other matters including England's participation at Euro 2020 are also being discussed by the FA uh, who for now are continuing to take government advice in regards to the, how to react to coronavirus. So Euro Euro 2020 could be affected. Now think about that. Euro 2020 could be affected as as, as well as the Olympic Games. There's two biggest uh, events of the summer or two biggest events of the year can be affect uh, are going to be affected by this. If the Olympics are then you damn skippy the fucking Euros are going to be. That's crazy to think about. Um Premier League Premier League clubs are following NHS guidelines regarding safeguarding against the coronavirus as it continues to spread globally. Governing body is also sharing recommendations to its clubs received from the Centre for Protection of National Infrastructure, which was agreed in conjunction with EFL Chief Medical Officer. While at their respective stadiums, advice is being displayed for staff and fans, which is to self-isolate if symptoms of the virus are experienced. Department of Health, NHS England and Public Health England are not, though, currently issuing any further stipulations. Cheltenham Festival, uh, the World Athletics Indoor Championships have already been uh, originally scheduled for the 13th of March. They've been postponed until next year. Formula One, Chinese Grand Prix, set for 19th of April, has been postponed by the FAA and Formula One. Um, they might do potential uh, other dates. Uh, they might they might do it... Um, uh, in a later date, but, I, but honestly, I don't think it will happen. I don't think it will go down. Uh, the opening three races of the season in Australia, Bahrain and Vietnam are coming under increased threat, obviously, of cancellation. Um, and Australian Grand Prix is in a couple of weeks, so they need to make a decision quickly on that front. Uh, from a culture standpoint, touring musicians, and this particular one that says a uh, British grime star... Uh, <laughs> I need to say Gormy. Uh, Stormzy is uh, t- undertaking his biggest tour yet in 2020, a global drawn across five continents, but the Asian leg has been postponed, with Stormzy apologising for the decision, um, due to da-da-da-da, regrettably, yeah, you, you know, the you know the uh, the jargon. Pop star Mabel, who won a Brit Wolf for Best Solo Female Artist last week, has cancelled the Italian leg of her tour and said she was hoping to reschedule soon. Uh, the US alt-rock band The Pixies have cancelled concerts due to begin this week in Japan and China. Other alternative music events to be cancelled include Stereolab Tour of China in mid-March, Hong Kong spin-off of Barcelona Electronic Music Festival Sonar, originally scheduled for 20th of March. South by Southwest in Austin, Texas is potentially uh, <laughs> is potentially being uh, 
postponed. Uh, Venice Biennale, uh, I don't know what that is. The world of art and arch- architecture. Damn, that's, that sounds cool. Uh, bracing itself to do without their uh, without their regular dose of apparel spritz this spring. Yeah, okay, fine, go away. Following the announcement that the Milano Furniture Fair at the world's largest design trade show has been postponed from April until June. Cannes, Venice, and other film festivals. Um, so that's the film industry right there for you. Chinese cinemas are quickly shut as pre- a preventive measure, gutting the valuable Chinese New Year box office and forcing the cancellation of high-profile events, such as the Chinese premiere of the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Uh, that was due to take place in April. Uh, the spread of the virus will also adverse- adversely impact high-profile international film festivals, such as Cannes in May, Venice in September... Uh, not only will the increasingly deep-pocketed representatives of the Chinese industry be unable to travel, but the increasing likelihood of local controls will put an end to the kind of high-profile gala screenings, big-money deals, and PR campaigns that are the festival's bread and butter. Um, that is actually going to be a very interesting case study for uh, uh, for film people to look into um, in terms of money, because I think... Uh, I don't think the regular person really understands how powerful the Chinese film industry actually is. I think they have more screens than the US now, and obviously they have more people, so, you know, it's easy to do the math on that. <laughs> more people, as as many, or if not more screens than the US, um, you know, per person, do the math. <laughs> it's clearly going to be more money in that. That's why everyone has a Chinese premiere, and that's why... Uh, there's many films that cater to Chinese audiences by either going to China or going to somewhere in Asia or um, go watch that one Transformers film. I forgot I forgot what it's called because um, I'm not a Transformers um, s- uh, simp. Because um, there was one, I think it had like Stanley Tucci in it and uh, they went to China and there was just like bare Chinese branding. It was just so obnoxious. Like it was clearly obvious they were just trying to basically bend over for Chinese film and Chinese people. It, was, it, was, ugh, ugh, it, just, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but even with that said, you know, um, Black Panther, they went to South Korea. Why do you think they did that? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it wasn't a... It wasn't a <laughs> I, I guarantee you that wasn't a, the rightest decision. They were like... They, they were told. They were, they were probably told, eh, we need to go South, uh, South Korea. We need to go somewhere in Asia. So just uh, see if you can make a... See if you see if you can make a part of the story uh, based in uh, South Korea. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Honestly, like you know, it happens. It happens. A lot of pandering to uh, Asian film, especially Chinese. Um, you, you may not see it from, with a blind eye, but if you you know pay attention uh, to some films, not all films, I will say, not all films, but some films, they ooh, they bend over, boy. They bend over, pull the trousers down, assume that position. I will say no more. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know that's and overall, just in terms of just how these events are being called off. I mean, obviously, the you know the Italy uh, games in rugby and football is kind of very preventative um, and very, um, I would say, um, what's the word? Uh, uh, yeah, it's very cautious. I would say, um, but I understand that. I understand it, especially for something like the Olympic Games, where like you know, obviously, tons of countries coming into one place, and it's just like, 
I would hate to be in Olympic Village because that shit might might make you ill if you're there for two weeks and you're with other people. No, it's like it's like, it's like first year of accommodations. Nah, man, nah, man. People get bare ill with that kind of shit. You need shots, probably for that kind of shit. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's it's. It, this whole thing's very fascinating, and it's to the point where it's starting to affect just world events in general, and uh, I obviously was going to talk about it at some point, and I felt like this was the best time to talk about it, because it's starting to affect, uh, you know, not, I don't have it, I don't know anybody that has it, but regardless of that, it's starting to, you know, events are starting to not happen um, because of it, and uh, I think that's a very, what's the word, I think that's a very pivotal moment um, in this whole, um, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, um, in this whole period of time, I guess, in terms of health, um, the fact that it's strong enough to put people off, obviously, well, not put people off, but, you know, cause whole governing bodies of sports and culture and musicians and, you know, the fact they have to switch it up, not even just in Asia, but also in Europe and in America, Australia, Bahrain, Vietnam even, you know, that's very, that's very daunting in one way, um, but yeah, we'll just have to, we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see, and you know, keep washing your hands, boys, keep washing your hands, <laughs> that's a very basic way of doing things, but you know, it goes a long way, just, uh, just keep safe out there, guys, just keep safe. move on to film and TV and uh, I wanted to I've had this I've had this thought that I've been wanting to talk about for a while and uh, I feel like this is a perfect time to do this so I don't think I, I think I say I think I said on the show last week uh, yeah that I saw Just Mercy um, amazing film uh, Jamie Foxx uh, Michael B. Jordan obviously based on the stories uh, based on the, I think the a book I don't know if he has several books, but a book by uh, Brian Stevenson, who's a uh, uh, basically like a defense lawyer of sorts, and he tries to help people um, that are on death row in America, um, and they shouldn't be, basically. And he helps them kind of people that obviously just can't get help or can't afford help. He's one of those people. Um, so, you know, a very inspiring story. And if you haven't seen the film, go watch it. Um, partly for just a great film, but... This is partly the reason why I wanted to get into this particular topic of um, and comparing it to other, comparing it to other, um, how other films have gone. So I want to compare this to something like Parasite, right? So Just Mercy is a, you know, I don't, I don't want to call it a black film, but it's a black film basically, you know, just to put it simply, it's a black film, right? Um, it's got black actors. I think black director, um, writers, you know, and all, all of that. And it, it was a, it basically raked up the NAACP award, image awards uh, the other night, um, which is great to see and very deserving. But it made me think um, of just the overall why we put so much emphasis on awards. And obviously, we've just came out of award season, and this conversation would have been. I, w- I could have had this conversation, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago even, you know, I could have had it at any time, but I wanted to wait until I saw a film like this, because for me personally, it was shown at my local cinema, um, I don't know how often they show it, 
but I went to the cinema a few weeks ago. I think it was to see 1917 or maybe Gemini Man. I forget which. Um, and, you know, Just Mercy was being shown that particular day once. I think it was like at 8pm, something like that, right? The weeks after, I never saw it again um, come up on the, you know, on the list of, list of screenings. And I, you know, I had a I had a gander every week or so, you know, just, you know, just having a look. And, oh, what's, what's coming? What's dropping on Friday? You know, what's, what, you know, what's, what's, what can, what can me and my dad see? You know what I mean? So I had a look regularly. Uh, but Just Mercy was never there until recently for one day literally one day one screening I, I saw it and you know I took the chance because um, it was on the day I saw it and I was just like you know what I'm gonna go f- I'm gonna go see it fuck it I'm gonna go see it I'm gonna grab a bus go see it right so I did and um, while the film itself um, nearly um, nearly put me to tears honestly um, just by the end of it I think it was a you know personally it's a very heartwarming story well not heartwarming but very powerful story right let's just say that it's a very overwhelming story just thinking about it and the and the 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 gravity of it and the um and the fact that it happens on the regular right it's just one of those stories where it just you know shines a light on a um what's the word on a on a part of living that you don't really you're not really exposed to and that's the point of art you know that's the point of stories to give you a viewpoint or a or a world that you haven't seen before. That's the point of art in, in its essence. Um, any type of it, right? So, why am I talking about this? And why am I comparing it to something like Parasite? I'm not saying that Just Mercy is as good as Parasite. And just, to, just as an update, I didn't go to see Parasite last week because there was mad traffic. <laughs> there was mad traffic uh, around my end. And uh, my dad was in it, and uh, basically he t- it took him two hours to get. <laughs> it took him like two hours to travel like a few miles. This is actually crazy to think about, but and he, he was like desperate for a piss. So uh, yeah, we didn't go. Uh, we might go tomorrow. Well, tomorrow as this uh, episode drops. So fingers crossed. But regardless if I've seen it or not, the point is is that Parasite, in winning Best Picture and you know Best Director and uh, Screenplay and you know all the stuff. And all the fanfare that it received in the past couple of weeks. And obviously Donald Trump talking about it. Even though he definitely hasn't seen it. <laughs> There's no fucking way that dude has seen it. Um, I can bet you my life that he hasn't seen it. Um, you know, the fact that people are talking about it, obviously. It has given it a box office boost. And that is because of awards. So, the reason why I wanted to compare something like Just Mercy to Parasite not from a film perspective and from a, you know, quality of watching perspective, just from a, uh, just from a, uh, what's the word, uh, an exposure perspective. Because I don't think you guys even, I, well, I would have talked about Parasite because I've been hearing about it since uh, last, I think, May. I think it won, uh, I think it won Can. So, you know, I've, I've heard of it, I've heard of it since last May. Right, but I don't. F- the regular person doesn't keep up with Cannes Film Festival, or the Berlin Film Festival, Venice or Toronto Film Festival, or Sundance. Nobody keeps up with that unless you're in, unless you're interested in the film or in the industry itself. So, uh, for most people, the 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 hearing about Parasite was probably for they, you guys must have heard of Parasite for the first time during the Oscars. 
right? That might have been the first time for you guys. And it's been, you know, been in festival screening since May last year. So think about that, right? That was your fir- that must have been your first exposure for some of you, not all of you, obviously. I'm not trying to generalise, but for most people, for the general public, it's probably the first time they've heard of it. You guys haven't, I guarantee you, most of you haven't heard of Just Mercy or seen it. But, you know, I feel like Just Mercy was worth being seen. And this is why, unfortunately, awards matter. So I wanted to get into this article right quick. Not not fully, but I wanted to just get into it um, a little, little quickly in terms of just uh, context, right? So this is uh, by Robin Barr of Hollywood Report. It's called Why Award Shows Still Matter for Movies. Um, so let's just, uh, I'm just going to go in like halfway, um, just to basically back up my point, right? Simply, awards are a numbers game and a marketing event. Sure, the Oscars like films that make a lot of dough from the outset, as evidenced by this year's crop of box offices like Joker, Full Thief, Ryan, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But once a film receives a nomination, it also typically gets an awards bump. A surge in profits from folks who trek to theatres or increasingly their on-demand accounts to see what all the fuss is about. While this income bump has somewhat diminished in the digital age, especially as DVD sales and broadcast TV licensing deals atrophy, uh, economics researchers have found that honoured filmmakers are nearly a surefire predictor for future studio revenue. According to a collaborative study from the researchers at New York University's Stern School of Business, New York City's Yeshiva University and the University of Arizona. Data shows that experienced directors drive the financial value of a project far more than other factors, including star power. As finance scholar S. Abraham Ravid uh, explained on the radio show Knowledge at Wharton, in other words, if you're a studio, you're much better off hiring the director or the writer rather than actors. As my father would say, follow the money trail. And you can do more good in the world with money than without it. Awards revenues help funnel money to films that would otherwise be forgotten and fund niche ideas that would otherwise be ignored. For example, the Oscars lifted director uh, Deborah Granick's profile and made a star of Jennifer Lawrence in 2010 when $2 million Sundance sensation Winter's Bone ended up with four nominations. The film has, in turn, paved the way for female auteurs like Kelly Reichardt, Chloe Zhao, uh, and Chloe Zhao to gain cred in the industry. Zhao's lauded indie western The Rider and its subsequent Independent Spirit Awards nominations helped land her a gig helming Marvel's big budget The Eternals. Film, critic can, film critics can grumble all we want about, presti- uh, about prestige-thirsty films like Joker grossing over $1 billion and then the 11 Academy Award nom- nominations, but tentpole flicks like this help studio raise money to support smaller and more diverse and or inclusive movies such as Just Mercy and In the Heights, which were all which were also co-produced by Warner Brothers. Award shows aren't just for hobbyists or professionals with an encyclopedic knowledge of the industry, but also for people who just want to discover new movies for the pure entertainment factor. It may be popular these days to slam a project as gaunchly, gaunchly, gaunchly. Gorchly? I don't know, that's a weird word, uh, middle brow to undermine anyone whose tastes fall in line with the mainstream. But this pervasive snobbery merely reminds me that we entertainment writers exist in a bubble. Um, so they go on to talk about um, uh, the, the how, how the prestigious awards doesn't take away 
you know, so like Adam Sandler in the Uncut Gems or Lulu Wang's Farewell. But regardless of that, regardless of that fact, um, you guys have already heard of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You guys have already heard of Joker, right? Now, I'm not saying here that Joker or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood shouldn't have gotten the nominations they should have. Well, I kind of am for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I find that film completely underwhelming and I didn't think it should have gone. But that's just me personally, right? Whether we like it or not, the general public, whether you consider yourself part of that or not, whether you consider yourself a person that, you know, sees an Oscar result and they're like, hmm, I haven't heard of that. Let's go see it. And, you know, funny enough, Parasite, I never saw it, never saw it in my local cinema. Soon as one piss picture, two days later, two showings a day in the past two weeks at my local cinema. That that's what it that says it all for me. That says it all for me. Um, you know, the conversation about obviously ten pole ten pole films, you know, the big films, the blockbusters, basically, right? Obviously, making all the money, right? Um, for the small for the smaller stuff like Just Mercy, um, and stuff like that, right? And in the Heights. That gives the that 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 gives me friction, because that gives the that gives the illusion that these films aren't quality. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that the joke, uh, the fact that Joker made one billion, right? Okay, cool. But Just Mercies is also a great film as well. So what's the conversa- What is the conversation we're having here? So that's why awards, unfortunately, matter because the general public really goes for it. Um, I, I I can't overstate how fucking fascinating it is that Parasite is in my town, overly white, uh, conservative demographic watching Parasite. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen unless it ha- unless Parasite had the awards night that it had. I'm freaking lucky that Just Mercy was there. I wish Waves was there, but it wasn't. You know, there's these quality films that go under the radar. And it's the same with music. It's the same with all art. And that's the, you know, that's the, that's the point of awards. They, sometimes the smaller films get a, get a leg up. Stuff like Parasite, right? And that's completely cool with me. That's what I'm supportive of. But I wish it would happen more often. You know, Parasite's great. Uh, from what I've heard, I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I swear to fuck, I'm gonna watch it. Some, someday I'm gonna get it. And they got the awards bump, and that's great. And there was also that uh, I saw a, a, a news article where it was like um, South Korea are gonna try and sort out their their basement, uh, their you know sub sub uh, what's it were sub ground floor you know basement uh, apartment uh, complexes that they have in Parasite. You know those things are legit. Um, they said they were going to sort it out, and that's the power of art. That's the power of film, right there. So, what happens if maybe instead of watching uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there was something like a Just Mercy there for you? Maybe you'd have the same reaction I did, where I was nearly brought to tears by the end, which had one of the most heart-wrenching scenes that I've ever seen in a film. To be honest, you know, you got you guys probably won't ever see it, and that's just. That just makes me sad, to be completely honest. So it's kind of bittersweet thinking about this. Um, obviously, for something like a parasite, you know, parasite and just mercy are in the same similar boat here. 
in my in my thought process. But I just wanted to compare it because one got the awards bump and now is making cultural waves and the other is just there. And some people know it exists and some people appreciate it. But most people don't. And I find that highly unfortunate. But I guess that's the case in just most walks of life that, you know, unsung heroes, it always, it always exists um, in all walks of life. We all have them. We all have, like, colleagues or people in the family or friends that are, you know, unsung. And they help us a lot or whatever. It's just how it goes. And it's the same for art. You know, there's plenty of musicians I can name that deserve recognition. Um, but you guys going to listen? Probably not. But that's just how it goes. And, you know, you guys like what you like. So that's completely fine by me. So do you. But, you know, I just, I just find it. I just find these uh, kind of conversations just. I wish there was more of them. Yeah, I really do. There was more. I really do wish there was more of the conversations like these. But that's why I have this podcast. So I can have these conversations with myself. And hopefully you guys um, at least uh, digest it. Not change your lives over it, but at least digest it. So I hope I've done that for you. So we move on to music, and uh, I found this. I, I, I found this in the nick of time, boy. I, I think I saw this. Uh, I think uh, the night before. I was going to record this episode, and uh, yeah, I'm so happy I found it. I'm so, 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 so damn, so damn happy. Um, so this is uh, this is by Bill Ward. Uh, this is by Noel Simone Walker. This is called DJ Cool Herc. He's ready to bring hip-hop back to its roots with a museum in Jamaica. Do you understand how fucking cool that sounds? That sounds damn cool to me, honestly. That sounds so fucking sick. So let's just jump right in because um, I just really want to get into this. So if you're familiar with the evolution of hip-hop, then you know Bronx legend Clive Campbell, better known as DJ Cool Herc, you guys are about to learn today. The genre's credited founding father is integral to the conversation. Uh, what many don't know is how important Jamaican music is to the genre. The island's impact was brought to light at the Jamaica Music Conference held at Corley Auditorium in Kingston February 13th to 16th. Uh, it was assembled by Sharon Burke, CEO of Solid Agency, Dance Hall Re- and Reggae's top booking promotion and production agency in Jamaica. Call her and his sister Cindy Campbell, the self-proclaimed first lady of hip-hop, whose Bronx birthday party in 1973, uh, Cedric Avenue, uh, was deemed the greatest, uh, the genre's de- uh, debut, as well as reggae legend Shaggy were among attendants, uh, among the artists in attendance. A trio along with executives Chase and Capana, I assume, SVP of ISN label relations uh, title, Diego Herrera, Reggae Caribbean World Curator and Music Programmer for Prendora Music, and Tuma Bassa, uh, Director of Urban Music at YouTube, plunged deep in discussions about the crippling state of the Jamaican music industry, the foundation of hip-hop, and the genre's direct correlation to Jamaican's, uh, Jamaican music culture. After stopping by their old childhood home at 11... Uh, 11 half York Street in Kingston's Franklin Town for the first time in more than 30 years, Herc and Cindy discussed aspirations to bring a hip-hop museum to the bubbling capital. They explained how the efforts will support the music eso- ecosystem and add credit to the country as a potential world music capital. Well, world music capital, it really should be. Let's, let's, let's just think about that. 
Let's just think about how Jamaica should be the uh, a a world music capital, not the music capital, but a music capital, like top five. So you got like I'm gonna say like uh, Kingston, New York, Los Angeles. Uh, I'm I, I'm strictly thinking like Western world to be honest. Some like maybe somewhere in Latin America, um, somewhere in Africa, probably Nigeria or Ghana, one of those. Uh, maybe throw in like London. I'd I'd throw in London because I'm biased, <laughs> but yeah, I think Jamaica's right in there. To be honest, in the conversation, boy, yeah. Uh, so let's just continue here. I got sidetracked. Uh, quote: When I was looking around Kingston throughout the weekend, I saw that Peter Tosh and Bob Marley had museums. The DJ tell, tells Billboard at the close of the music conference. Well, guess what? I created something, so therefore I have con- a contribution uh, myself, and it would add to the Jamaican eco- economy with tourism. Reggae and dancehall have been the secret ingredient to many chart-topping... Uh, I don't like this sentence. I don't like this paragraph. The secret ingredient. Don't call it a secret ingredient. So they reference uh, Rihanna's... Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Rihanna's work and uh, Justin Bieber's uh, sorry. And that just pissed me off to call that a secret ingredient. That's just annoying. Um, yeah, reggae is marked as one of the least profitable and least credited genres. There you go. Uh, various artists are inspired by it. But don't always give the proper support in return. Below, the Campbell siblings detail hip-hop's roots with Billboard and how Pending Museum can potentially boost music, uh, Jamaica's music industry. Um, so, they have a little uh, Q&A. Um, I'm just going to pick uh, pick questions apart. I'm not really uh, going to go through it all because uh, well, it's not most of the uh, Q&A ever. But I just wanted to get to the you know the quotes that I really want to. I really want to like you know. Uh, talk about and just add to the conversation so uh so let's uh let's just uh start with this one so they get into conversations about uh you know um the energy um from jamaican roots to hip-hop which is very fascinating honestly go read this whole thing by the way because i'm obviously picking uh, stuff apart so the whole the whole particular Q and A is very fascinating, to be honest. To read, uh, they ask what well, you can, what can you say about the continuous trend of mainstream ice? And uh, Cool Herc references like Eric Clapton covering "I Shot the Sheriff," and that was in '74. So you know, it's obviously been going on since then. Uh, and they say they they also ask what you what would you suggest to the people that you obviously take from reggae and take elements, but obviously don't pay it back. Um, and uh, they offer they offer a suggestion like uh, give back to the schools or help reggae ice and Coolerk simply just says both ways. It was kind of uh, interesting. And uh, there's one I want to get into. It says uh, why should Jamaica reclaim hip hop? And Cindy says uh, because we are the ones who brought the style and the technique to America, which later became hip hop. Think about that. That's a, honestly this is fascinating to me because this is a layer that I've actually never accounted for before. You know, I've always accounted in terms of like the birth of hip hop. The things you, uh, I think, anybody, everybody should understand is that hip hop, first of all, came out of like disco, um, in one in one sense. Obviously, you can acclaim for all the other African American uh, art forms that were born in that country, but nobody ever says reggae. Nobody ever says reggae, and I just uh, and or, or Jamaica anyway, Jamaica uh, Jamaican music. I just find that very fascinating. And just trying to think about that, I'd never really, I never really accounted for that in terms of just energy. Maybe not sound wise, but in terms of just energy and what it is, you know, the 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 intangibles that you can't see, like the invisible stuff. That's 
kind of fascinating to think about. Uh, another question here, how did you get the first Lady of Hip Hop title? She goes, uh, it's, it's, I like this just because of the historical, uh, historical context. Um, the Bronx was something that the borough's uh, native and artist Karis won once rapped about, so artists usually sing about where they live, but hip-hop started on the west side of the Bronx, 1520 Cedric Avenue, uh, from the first party that I gave in Recreation Room. As a promoter, what style did you learn from Jamaican, uh, what style did you learn from Jamaican that you used as a technique for hip-hop? She goes, oh, definitely the promoting part of it, that's what artists in Jamaica did whenever they were going to have a dance. They had to go out and promote heavily, so I watched how my father and his friends promoted. See, that, that right there that's that's a direct link as a direct link so if you have someone like um someone like a two short at the start of his career uh selling tapes out of his trunk the uh, uh, the trunk of his car that's a way that's that's a link right there that's a that's a pure link right there and obviously you know going about and hyping stuff up around the area is not a strictly Jamaican thing. Obviously, other, loads of people do it, obviously, and that's just how, you know, it's just human nature. If, if there's something going on, we just say, eh, what are you doing, what are you doing? Yeah, you've got to come to this, bro, come to this. And now, all of that is on smartphones now. If I am if I if I see an event, I'm hitting on my boy. I'm going like, yo, this event, we on it? <laughs> that's it. I don't have to go to his house and knock on his door anymore. Yeah, but that's a way, the word of mouth, obviously, concept. Um they also ask about uh, uh, how how did they make money, which is very fascinating. Also, uh, and the last one here is uh, them asking, uh, "What opening hip hop museum in Jamaica do for islands? Uh, uh, the islands music ecosystem?" Cindy says it will definitely open up a whole another world, mu- world musically for Jamaica. The island is a core tourism mecca, and the museum could be a place where people uh, would want to go to learn about history. They will not only have to go to the United States; it will be right here in Jamaica. I think if the government got behind it, it would be profitable and set, uh, and an asset to the country. So obviously, I've said this before on the show and other shows um, and on Wax that there's going to be a universal hip hop museum in the Bronx. And while and you know I'm all I'm all for that and I'm fully supportive of that. But I'd love to see something like this be done in Jamaica as well. Um, maybe not even just for hip hop, but for just obviously like I don't know if they have a reggae museum or anything like that in terms of tourism. But that would be very, very, that would be very, very interesting to have. And the knowledge would be encased there and, you know, be solidified and won't be just put to someone like Cool Herc and Cindy Campbell who have the knowledge clearly and they know what happened and all that and they have the stories. But these are things that I don't think are talked about enough and I would love to see them talked about more. And a museum in Jamaica would definitely do that. I would love that. I'm fully supportive of this. Hip Hop Museum in Jamaica, let's get it. And finally, we end the show on the second life topic, and it's something that I have probably talked about before. <laughs> I really want to talk about it again because this is actually silly. This is actually scary to me. I thought. I know why it's scary to me, but I don't know why. I'm I'm confused why you guys aren't scared of this shit. I I just don't. It it, it, it freaks me out just to think about. Um, so this is a, a recode article by uh, Sarah Morris, and uh, it's called Alexa rec- records you more often than you think. 
So let's just jump right in, cause this is some bullshit, and it may. And I'm, I told you, I'm fucking right on this shit. They listen to you more than you think. I've been validated, and I can't wait to be validated more. So let's get into it. How often do Alexa and her ilk uh, listen to your conversations? Maybe more than you think. According to a new report from Northeastern University, smart speakers accidentally activate as many as 19 times a day, recording as much as 43 seconds of audio each time. There's plenty of anecdotal evidence that voice-activated assistants aren't perfect and will wake up and accidentally start recording if they think you've said their trigger word. That's not great if you're a privacy-minded smart speaker owner. Uh, this could be an oxymoron, it fucking is, especially since the companies that make these devices hire contractors and employees to listen to small snippets of recordings. But Northeastern's, uh, Northeastern's um, uh, monitor, monitor? I think um, M-O-N, oh, I don't know, Northeastern's research group, I'll get to say that, uh, wanted to quantify for the first time how often these activations uh, happen and what the devices hear when they do. The anecdotes weren't wrong. Uh, David Chofners, um, an associate professor in computer science at Northeastern who worked on a report, told Recode. Researchers tested the five uh, types of speakers, uh, first-generation Google Home Mini, first-generation Apple HomePod, Microsoft's Harman Kardon Invoke, uh, and the second- and third-generation Amazon Echo Dots. For the experiment, they forced the speakers to binge listen to 125-hour cycles of television, including Gilmore Girls, The West Wing, Big Bang Theory, and Narcos, while they monitored if, when, and how the devices were accidentally triggered. The good news is that they didn't find any evidence that devices were constantly recording conversations, and about half of the accidental activations lasted less than 6 seconds. Here's the bad news. About half of the accidental recordings lasted 6 seconds or longer, with some recording as much as 43 seconds of audio, without the hypothetical user's permission or possibly knowledge. Uh, Chofners, I, I, I don't like how I'm saying that, I feel like I'm saying it wrong, uh, said these long activations were rare, but they did happen. That said, the test environment did not fully replicate the environment in which these speakers are used. The audio comes from television show dialogue, which is not always representative of how humans talk, the audio also comes from a speaker rather than from a human mouth, so the voice's assistant's action, actions aren't necessarily representative of real-life situation. As you can guess, the devices were usually activated when a word similar to the trigger was spoken. I can work instead of OK Google, Congresswoman instead of Alexa, he clearly instead of Siri, and Colorado instead of Cortana. While some speakers uh, were better than others, they were all prone to accidental activations ranging from an average of 1.5 to 9 times a day uh, per day. The Apple and Microsoft devices activated more than the others. While the study findings are recent, the news that these speakers can be activated accidentally and record random conversation is not. If you have a smart speaker in your house, it surely happened to you. And the article uh, continues on from there. But I feel like... I feel, I feel like... Um, I feel like my point's made there. Um, honestly, I, I watched a... I, I didn't watch. Um, I listened to a podcast um, a few months ago uh, called Nanda the Giants. Um, it was actually done by the same people uh, over at Recode Vox. And um, uh, they, they the, the, the whole first series um, was based on Amazon. And obviously Amazon has Alexa and um, and all that, all that stuff. Um, 
so they did an episode on that and, you know, why they're pushing Alexa so hard and stuff like that and, like, from a business perspective, why are they doing it? But they gave a actually fair journalistic view on it in terms uh, uh, objective view on it and uh, got some decent explanations as to, you know, why some people have bought it. Um, there was one where a dude had an absurd amount, uh, one for every room in his house, actually, um, but he also had one for his parents. Um, his parents were elderly, um, so, you know, if they fell or whatever, and obviously they, he, he lives outside, the um, doesn't live with them, so if they fell, they could say, you know, Alexa, call, call emergency services, da-da-da-da-da. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that nobody should have them. I'm just saying I don't want them. <laughs> Like it's, it's completely up to personal preference in this case. Um, and just to say, and I've said, I think I've said this before, if you have one in your home, I ain't coming in your home. And if I'm coming in your home, I ain't saying shit. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. I'm speaking clearly, I'm, I'm speaking completely by text. That's all you're getting from me. You are getting no vocals from me. I'm that paranoid. I'm sorry. Uh, there are some there are some things in in the automation and AI world that don't scare me, but there are some that do, and this is one of them. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I will never do this. And if you do, you know, by all means, do you? But fuck that, fuck that. Six, Sixty seconds, sixty seconds of recording. No man. Did you see? Um, I saw a recent article about a uh, ring, which I think has also been bought by Amazon. And uh, there were people that work for Ring that just have that just watch people's cameras. They just watch people's cameras. That's fucking weird. That's so fucking weird. Do you not find that weird? I don't know, man. I just uh, I get it. No, I mean this is this is a debate that has it, that is valid on both sides, and I completely recognise that, right? But personally, I don't have a re- I don't have a reason to use one. And because of that, it's probably more more the main reason why I don't use, don't have them. I just don't want to. I just I just can't. It freaks me out too much. Even though I said okay, Google, it doesn't come. It didn't come up on my um. Oh, there you go. There you go. I just said it didn't come up on my phone, but it did come up on my phone. Just said. <laughs> so it does come up now and again. It doesn't come up all the time. I don't even use okay okay. Shit, I don't want to say it. Okay, Google. I don't, I don't like saying it. Um, you know, if I want to look it up, I can just, I can just, you know, tap, or just um, hold my, or hold um, I have a, I have a, a assistant button on the left side of my phone, so I can just press that. It's not, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. I don't have to say it. I don't have to say okay, okay Google. I don't have to say it, you know. But um, you know, for, for some people like um. For, for, for some people like obviously like you know elderly people it's highly beneficial and I completely understand that but um, for me personally I just can't do it and uh, from a surveillance perspective not that I'm doing anything illegal but you know fuck <laughs> <laughs> let me stop there before I criminate myself ladies and gentlemen this <laughs> bit so what good <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out the rate your uh, rate my podcast. Or I've, I forgot the name. I forgot. I've, I forgot the name of the damn thing already. <laughs> it's just so. <laughs>
I forgot the damn thing already. But um, yeah, please uh, go check out uh, ratethispodcast.com uh, forward slash what's good number five EPN. Just give it a go. I want to see how it is um, just personally. And if it works and if you guys mess with it, then uh, I might uh, pay to have it implemented in the rest of my podcast. But we'll see. That's completely experimental. Just help me out with that if you can. But anyway, um, apart from that, Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Home Podcast Network, I've been trying to tell this one was good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music is Vista by Poldor. You can find both of their uh, music discographies via Bandcamp in the links below. Thanks to your music. For the ability to use these songs, you can also find your music Bandcamp link in the description below. And yes, fuck Alexa and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have a good hope you kind of have a good week. I'll try and do the same as always. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>